Yo and hello everybody, Mike here, Mike Moynihan, host of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. Welcome to another episode and I am really excited about today. I'm excited about every episode, I guess. Otherwise, why would I do it if I wasn't excited about the episode? But today I get to tell stories. It's going to be story time with Mike. And I'm not going to tell the story by myself. I have a guest that's going to come on because I think it's a little more fun to interact with somebody and, and talk through it and maybe think of things I haven't thought of that you guys would like to hear out there in the audience. But I, I came across this uh, collection and I've, I've even had stories like this before. I've had a situation a, a little over a year ago, pre COVID when uh, a gentleman that I knew he, you know, had a huge collection of a bunch of vintage stuff. Didn't really know what he had. I mean, he was a collector, but he collected different things. And so he wasn't so familiar with the cards and I got to see it and it was amazing. And then COVID happened. And ironically, he passed away during COVID, not uh, because of COVID, but he had a long story. He passed away and I've kind of lost touch with, I, I didn't know his spouse or anything. And that's kind of one of those tragic stories that I don't know what's happened to that collection. It's just kind of out there and I really don't know. And I don't know how to get a hold of her or anything. So neither here nor there, but now fast forward to 2021, uh, last Sunday, and I had an opportunity to view another collection. And so before I get into all of it, I, I'm gonna bring on my guest, it's a guy who's been on the podcast before. He's one of my good friends, and he is the cardboard apprentice himself, JT Triple Crown Twenty Four. What's up, buddy? What's up, Mike? You know, normally I like to open with a corny joke or some small talk about something trivial, but I'm excited to talk about today's story. So why don't we just go ahead and start telling the story? Yeah. So people know I've told JT some of the story. Uh, there might be some details that I cover in this retelling of it so that he can have some natural reactions to it. He can ask some good questions. Hopefully this, this will not just be me lecturing. I want it to be a, a little bit interactive. There will be some things I show and this is going to be JT, you know, the story's not like, this is the beginning of this story, right? This is the first part of this story. There's a lot more to come and that'll make sense as we go through it as I tell it. But it's kind of one of those things. I mean, JT, you're a, you're a dealer. I mean, you're always looking for stuff to buy and you know, we, we all know the story, right? I got some cards. My dad had some cards. So-and-so <laughs> had some cards and they end up being, you know, giant boxes of 88 tops or 90 Donruss or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure most people listening, if you've ever shared with a non-card person that you are into cards that, they probably have said something along the lines of, I have these somewhere. And usually this kind of question of, oh, I wonder if these are worth anything now. And nine out of 10 times, the answer is no. And it's kind of, the, I mean, you get excited. Someone's got a collection. You don't know what kind of buried treasures you have. This situation, a little bit different, it would seem. Yeah. And I always equate it to, you ever watch like American pickers or, you know, some yeah. of those shows and they are always talking about barn finds, either cars or old bikes or something. And I, and I, and so I equate that to the card world and I just call them barn finds like these previously unknown, just sitting somewhere card collections that 
the people really have no clue what they have, good or bad, right? It's just collecting dust somewhere. So how I met this, just so you know how I met this guy, uh, friend of the family said, oh yeah, my, my uncle has some cards. He had seen my collection. It's like, oh, my uncle has some cards. He He's looking to sell them because he got them from his dad. His dad is uh, still alive, but sort much, much older and had given the cards to his uncle. His name, uh, the guy who has the cards now, his name is Mike, just so we're clear, which is kind of weird, but I'll refer to him as Mike. Mike actually owns the cards. It was his dad that collected him and his nephew, I know, and was able to connect through the nephew. So what happened is the nephew said, hey, my uncle Mike's got some cards. Let's look at it. Can you look at him and kind of tell him? And of course, you know, you do the roll in the eyes. Oh, great. Sure. Happy to do right. it. Bring it, you know. But here's the thing with this one is that I'm sure that he said that his uncle's dad, when you're hearing this, that For means sure. that there's at least three generations here. So if you have an uncle's dad, did that in your mind make you think that maybe you were dealing with something that might be a little bit older? Because if it was just his dad, maybe that in my mind would register like junk wax era. But if it's a previous generation, now we might be talking vintage. For sure. And and I knew that it, you're right, because the generational thing, the the nephew's younger. Uh, he's my kid's age, you know, in his early 20s. He's your age. <laughs> JT. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so think about your uncle, right? J he's in his, you know, mid to late fifties. I didn't ask his age, but so his dad has to be, you know, in his late seventies, maybe even early eighties. And so, yeah, of course I thought, wow, this could be decent stuff, but then you never know, you know, are they all in a shoebox and they're beat to hell or, you know, what, what what's coming into your into your life right. here which is actually a lot of the fun right the the unknown like you said hidden treasures the barn find what am i going to find when he comes over so he comes over and we, and uh the nephew was already over here he'd come over and so we went and met his uncle at the curb and he gets out of his car and he has this little white tote you know not very big uh and like you couldn't even fit a real binder in it. And so I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that big. I'm like, what is in this thing? And so he comes inside and finally I'm like, okay, like I can't even, I'm not even showing him the card room or anything. I'm ready to get, you know, I set up a little tape, this table, this little table right here, set him at the chair. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's start looking at what you have. And I'm, this is no joke, JT. If you've been in the hobby for more than a day, then you know how fast the sports card market moves. There are now more options than ever to buy, sell, and research your cards. One of the most frustrating hurdles in the hobby is the fees when selling your cards. You know, those other popular marketplaces, the ones with their average seller transaction fee of 10%, the ones that don't have the seller's interest in mind. Wait, what? Who would do that? Well, hold on to your horses. No, not those horses. Welcome to The Card Flip, a place where we want to provide a simple alternative to buying and selling cards. No clutter, just you, graded cards, sealed wax, and the easiest of transactions. So what do you say? Are you in? Great! Welcome to The Card Flip, the seller's marketplace. He pulls out a folder, like 
And for those of you on the podcast that can't see this on YouTube, it's one of those old school colored folders that literally has, you know, three tabs in the middle and you would put your notebook paper in it and turn in an assignment. And it's got written on the front on these stickers, uh, baseball cards, <laughs> and then a number like he's got them numbered. And there were literally uh, like a whole I got a whole stack. Of, I kept them all just because it, it's just too funny. The story is too funny. There's all these just folders, right? And so he hands me the uh, first folder. I, I should step back. He uh, had a few cards that were in top loaders, actually. And JT, you and I have both seen it. The top loaders that look like they're 30 years old and they are 30 years old. Yeah, and the cards haven't been removed from them since they were originally put in the top loader. That's my favorite. I have no doubt that that's true. I have absolutely no <laughs> doubt. But it's it's some pretty holy crap stuff, right? Um, he has a, a Yogi Berra rookie, 48 Bowman. He had a 51 Bowman Berra. And he, you know, what else? Uh, a Campanella rookie. And these are all in pretty good shape, like reasonably right. good shape. A Whitey Ford rookie. Uh, what else? A Ted Williams 51 Bowman, you know, a Mutual rookie, a 50 Bowman, Jackie Robinson. These are all the cards that were in top loaders. And then he had, oh, by the way, a Willie Mays rookie, 51 Bowman, and a Mickey Mantle rookie, 51 Bowman. <laughs> so these are the first cards I see. And I'm like... Oh my goodness. Like, what would you do if that was the first card you see in a collection you're looking at? You'd just go, wow. Right. I mean, I'd be shaken, like holding something <laughs> that I know is that valuable. And I, I would, there's a million thoughts that race through your mind immediately. Like, are these real? Is probably the number one. Uh, how, like, how are we just unearthing these now? Like why, why have they just come to the surface at this point in time? Do they know what they have here? There's a lot of questions that probably race through your mind when you see something like that. Definitely good questions. Uh, and and I'd at, we had premised the convert. Like I said, okay, what do you, you know, before I even started looking at everything, you know, tell me kind of the story. And he says, my dad collected when he was younger. Um, I collected a little in the 70s, he said, late 70s. And he had some cards in, in these folders from that era, uh, they were all beat to hell, his, his 70s stuff. But that, you know, and he's like, my dad just had them and he'd about a year ago given them to me and he had no idea what he had. In fact, he, he's looking to, he was like, I'm, I needed to sell these. I've got some expenses, some things that I need to, to do with these. And so, I, I kind of knew all that going as I opened up the first, you know, you know, looked at the first card and whatnot. But immediately, of course, I'm going, this guy has no idea what he has. Um, and he didn't. The, the truth was he didn't. But I looked at this as an opportunity. I wanted to teach him because we're all we all have to start somewhere. Right. With our knowledge. Right. And we all have to start somewhere. The last thing you want to do is hopefully get duped, taken advantage of, whatever. So as I go into it, knowing you wanted to sell them, I was like, well, let, what's the best way as I go through these cards to advise him on eventually selling them, right? To whomever, whether it was 
we went through all kinds of stuff like but i'll, I'll talk about because this is important and so there's a lot of routes jt that he could go right he could right. sell them on ebay right just raw just sell and all the cards were raw by the way that just so everybody knows and that makes sense because if they are as old or in the the dad's collection as long as they had been there wasn't even grading when he probably put them away he said my dad hasn't looked at these in 20 years you know and i believe like i totally believe it if you would have seen the pages they were in uh everything it it all of that all the boxes checked off of this is as legit a story as i can imagine so i wasn't feeling you know, like I was getting taken advantage of, although I was just trying to provide knowledge. So at this point, there's nothing right. to take advantage of me other than my brain. Well, more importantly, I think in this situation is that they brought it to someone first who wasn't going to take advantage to them. Like, can you imagine if he had not gone to you and he maybe went to a card shop? And I'm not, I, there are a lot of great card shop owners out there, but at the end of the day, it's business for a lot of them too. And maybe they see something like this and they say, I give you a, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks for all of it. And if I'm someone who doesn't know anything about cards, like 500 bucks, a thousand bucks for cardboard. Sure. I'll take it. And you know, you get the cash, you walk out feeling good. A little, little do you know that you just got royally screwed on this deal. So it's, it's a totally. good thing for them that they um, went to someone who's, who can actually advise them with their best interests in mind. And at the time, you know, teach them it's that give a man the fish or teach a man the fish kind of scenario that was totally my mentality the whole time. Uh, and I even talked about, cause one of the options is, you know, <laughs> I actually said it this way. I said, don't you dare take these to a card shop because they will, <laughs> uh, they will completely lowball you and not give you anywhere close to their value. And, and I taught, and I even said this too. And in addition to that, that's their job. Like they're trying to make money on it. So, they're going to pay you 50% of value at best, maybe lower or slightly higher, right? Depending on what they feel like on it. And so I said, look, don't do that. Let, let's kind of, first of all, we got to get a lot of these key cards graded. Again, they were all raw. Well, that, that'd be a great idea normally, wouldn't it? Right. <laughs> but what's the problem right now? Well, you got the, the PSA shut down. The good news is, though, you're talking about some big boy cards that aren't really affected by this lower level. You're kind of forcing the situation where you have to pay the Super Express $300, I think, is the lowest level right now. But, I mean, if I have these cards, I think I'm taking all the precautions necessary, and I want these things in the holders, slabbed up and authenticated as soon as I possibly can. I'm sure that's pretty much your mentality too, as a collector. It was on the big ones for sure. Uh, not on some of the lower stuff, which we'll talk about. So we talked about grading. I, I just went through, this is a two and a half hour, you know, conversation I have with Mike and his, and his nephew. We're going to try to condense it as best we can here, <laughs> but I think some of these key points are important to, to get a little deeper on in the grading idea. I said, there's several companies you can grade with. I went through the pros and cons kind of of each of them. Um, someone calling, I don't need to talk to you right now because I'm talking to you and you guys. Uh, so, you know, what does it mean to get a card graded? And, and hey, there's expense to that. 
it's not free and you don't know what you're going to come back. There's plenty of, we've both had instances, JT, where we've sent in cards either of our own or for you, since you do group submissions, you know, for people, by the way, you can check out JT's group submissions for PSA whenever they restart that on Facebook, JT, I'll let you uh, plug that later. But the, you know, when we send in cards and people are expecting a certain grade and they're massively disappointed at what comes back on the flip, right? Like, uh, that wasn't nearly what I expected it to be or whatever came back something less. And you and I both know, and I explained to him like, look, let's take the Mantle rookie, for example, but certainly the most valuable card that he had that he brought over a PSA one's about, you know, it's a five figure card. It's a $10,000 card. Well, every number up from there, the card essentially doubles. Like, so it matters if it's a five or well, does it, it's like, does it really matter? I said, yes, let me show you. And I would walk, I walked through some completed eBay sales with him on my computer here. I should, again, this was a lot of stuff I'm trying to condense and I'm skipping around a little in how the conversation went, but trying to make it flow for this conversation. Cause a lot of you guys out there might be going, well, why didn't, did you ask him this and this and this? The answer is probably yes. Be patient. We'll hopefully get to it. And if there's something uh, that I don't say, it doesn't mean it wasn't talked about. Ask question down below in the comments and I'll, I'll let you know if we talked about it, but you know, what does grading mean? What's the cost? I've pulled up PSA's website, showed them. And it shows, you know, it, when you pull up the services not available or sold out, or I can't remember what exactly it says, something where, nope, 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 can't do this, can't do this. And get down to the Super Express at 300. And in actuality, the mantle alone would be about one to $2,000 to grade because they're going to upcharge you for that card. And he's like, he just had no idea that it would cost that much just to put it in plastic, which is, that makes sense. If you're outside the hobby, you would look at it from the outside and think we're all batshit crazy for <laughs> for paying that much to have somebody assess our card condition, right? right? I mean, but it, I mean, the cost of that in the scope of how much the card could potentially be worth, depending on the grade is fractional. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, when they think about grading, it, it's why it's so popular is because that slab with that little number on it and that authentication to have that peace of mind, are any of the grading companies perfect? No. Are they considered experts in the field? And do I believe they're experts in the field? Yeah, they're pretty much the best of the best. They deal with this kind of stuff. And on something like that, I'm sure if at the service level, you're going to have it at, you're probably going to have someone who's very knowledgeable about that specific card or that set. So you're going to get, you're paying for a service that is from a professional to certify your collectible to make it worth even more. And I, I think it sounds like a lot of money up front, but when you actually look at it and see like how much the card is then worth, it's pennies on the dollar. You and I, and most people out there that are collectors understand that, that I think that he didn't, he was flabbergasted at that idea. And I said, look, it's, because if it, we think it's it, raw price and graded price, way more than the cost of grading is, is simply put, right? It, right. I mean, it can be. And, and there's risk too. Sure. I but think in this case, there's, sorry, I hate to interrupt you. There's no cost. Like it's there, you know, his, his, how much money he has into the card is zero. So his only cost into the card is, let's say, $1,000 to grade the mantle. He's already won. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, 
What were you going to say? I interrupted you. I apologize. Oh, no, you're fine. It's I. Well, there's two things from what you just said there. First off, is that he's saying that he wants to sell these for money. So he's trying to see if he has any value here, basically in their current form. So maybe sure. you a more realistic scenario, if you've got like a mantle and a maze, it's different. But if he had just more of those 70s cards, for example, that were actually in good shape, that might be something that you could actually take to a card shop if you really wanted to just dump it really quickly. You could sell that very quickly where grading is not necessarily a need if you were to consign it or go through some sort of other process or put it as a lot, whatever. But the fact that they're trying to get this money and then you tell them all of a sudden, well, you probably want to invest a few thousand dollars into uh, grading costs here to get <laughs> to get your thing certified. All of a sudden you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm coming here to make money. Like I thought that these were going to make me money. Now you're telling me I got to pay a few thousand dollars when I have these expenses. So I, I think that prospect of having to spend that much money is what's scary. And I mean, the, the risk involved with it too, selling it raw is one thing. I think that that leaves a lot more room for, especially on a vintage card where one singular number on the grade, even a half grade means a lot in terms of price. We're talking you know, four figure differences, five figure differences when you get towards the mid to high end range. That's really important. And on, on top of that too, there's things with like sending it in for grading. I know that's something that we, we briefly discussed the other day when we were talking about this is you, you gotta get it there. Like they're not just coming by their house and like, hey, we're gonna take a look at this now. You gotta get it there. So there's a, a lot of risk that goes into this as well. Well, I'll touch on that real quick. I told him straight out, like if you decide to send a few of these cards in, you're flying to, to Southern California to PSA and you're literally going to drop them off. I would never trust cards like that going through the United States Postal Service or FedEx or any of it. No way, no how. I'm going to spend the 400 bucks or whatever for a round trip ticket and that peace of mind is worth that plane ticket for me in a hotel room if I have to get one or whatever. I'm not sending it through because to insure a card like that properly and good luck with that. If something actually happens, getting your money from the United States Postal Service, that's a total scam. Don't get me started there. But to even insure it's going to cost you. I mean, you deal with this. What would it cost to insure it? Let's say the mantle and maze for let's say you wanted to conservatively do $20,000 on those two cards. What's it going to cost you in insurance for that? So yeah, the thing is, I don't even know if you can get $20,000 insurance without going through some kind of crazy expensive service. So I'm pretty sure at that point, like you're, you're obviously paying for priority mail express if you're going or overnight, if you're doing FedEx or UPS and that right away is probably on something of that declared value, a hundred dollars. And then it's going to be a few hundred more with that kind of insurance. So at that point it's almost worth less right. like to the cost of going out there and Hey, it's a little vacation too. Why not go ahead and take that rather than just making the vacation to your local FedEx store or UPS store, whatever the case may be. Right. And, and even then I'm telling you, if I mailed cards off like that, I'd be, I wouldn't be able to sleep till I knew they oh, were yeah. covered and signed for and whatnot. So again, we, I did, say, look, if, if you do this, that that's, you've got to go out there. And again, we're at, I, I, I hate to belittle or not belabor this point. Maybe 
we're at step one. I haven't even, I've only seen the cards once for this two and we got a lot more steps. I gave them a lot of ammunition and, and food for thought to start making some decisions, which I have volunteered to help with. So there's the whole grading aspect on all of it. Right. And believe it or not, a lot of the cards he had, which I haven't even gotten into yet are worth a lot of money graded in and of themselves a lot of the old commons and stuff that people are building sets and whatnot if they're graded well enough they, they can be worth money now well that's i was certainly true in the old system of grading maybe not and that's where i told him i said when psa reopens we don't know where the price point's going to be for kind of just a we'll call it just a normal card right uh kind right. of the under 4.99 value kind of card is it going to be 50 bucks is it going to be 100 we don't know and therefore you can't know if that additional cost is worth it. Even we can't even remotely guess as to whether or not it's going to be worth it. So we got into, you know, well then how, how quickly are you? And even then, if you send them in, good luck, you, you'll get them back a year from, I mean, we don't like. Right. I mean, I'm not sure. What did you mention to them? Like the, if the goal was resale value PSA, nine times out of 10 is going to be your best option. I think for most cards, a lot of people would say PSA, but if speed, getting it back quickly and selling it, because they have nothing into it, which you've mentioned before, and that's something that they might be considering. But do you think that even like an SGC type of thing where you do like an overnight service with them, I'm not sure about Beckett's vintage grading, what that looks like, but I, I'm sure they have an express service for that. There's other services as well. It's probably those three is what you'd want to stick with on those those yeah, types my, of cards. I think SGC is probably the, the second most viable, but did, is that even something that comes in the conversation? It did. I said, look, it's either PSA, which will get you the most value, but take the longest, or with these kind of, because all these cards were 50s cards, 40s and 50s, just letting the cat out of the bag a little there. I said, you, you know, SGC has a very, they're very good in that arena as well. And they are open for business and they are taking submissions currently. So we haven't even gotten down the road of, we, we touched on it slightly during the conversation of, you know, what's your hurry? What, what, what's your time frame? How quick are you needing this to all happen? And, and the sense that I got was sooner rather than later, but I don't need it tomorrow. Kind of like, I'm not like, if I don't sell these cards in the next week, I'm going to lose my house or and there was nothing like that. But I, I don't think it's something that he wants to drag on forever either. So there's there's that aspect of it. And so it's like, do you sell them raw or do you sell them graded, right? More value in grading. We, we both agree and know that to be true. It's do you want to pay the expense? Do you want to wait the time to make that happen? So there's there's that part of it. And I said, look, he didn't even really know. Again, he didn't know what he had. So I'm going through the folders, right? And I'm, I pull out a folder and I'm going through it. <laughs> And I, I think the first one was 51 tops and it looked to be a complete set. And I'm not sitting here, you know, inspecting all the cards and just, I was giving them a cursory look. I was just wanting to go through them and kind of see what the guy had. And again, he had like nine of these folders and the pages, you know, oh my God, we talked about storage. I said, oh my gosh, it's a miracle. These cards are still even in paper form because you know it's the old pages the non-ass lots of issues and so i agreed in fact i'm going today to my lcs to buy just tons of supplies for the guy and he's going to pay for him he agreed 
I said, look, it's probably going to be about a hundred bucks for me to get everything that you're going to need to store these cards properly to get them safe. Right. Right. And I got to say, as a little aside here, the, if, if you're only listening to this, um, if, if you're not watching the YouTube version of this, I highly recommend going to the bench clear channel to watch this because the optics, when you see these folders you're just and like, just imagine your head going through this with the cards we're talking about right now, it is absolutely hilarious. Like every time that Mike pulls up this folder, I I'm laughing. I have to hold back because it's just, it's so you, you just, you pink. don't see this every day. <laughs> here's a, here's a red one with, you know, baseball cards on it or whatever. Uh, just, it was just folder after folder, 51 tops. Think it's a complete set. Not really sure. Again, I wasn't checking, you know, I wasn't counting how many there were and whatnot. And then it's 51 Bowman. And what I looked, what looks to be a complete set of 51 Bowman and tons of 50 Bowman and 49 Bowman and 48 Bowman and no 48 leaf, which was kind of sad that I didn't see any of that. That would have been pretty great. 48, 49 leaf. I mean, you're, uh, I guess you'll have to just settle for, you know, the 51 Bowman mantle in the maze. Like, yeah, this guy, right. this guy, he's got an okay collection. It's missing the leaf. We'll, we'll give him a pass on it. Sure. <laughs> uh, he had some 52 tops, uh, some 52 Bowman. The 52 tops, again, I don't know if they're high numbers or not. You know, I didn't check any of that. That could certainly make a huge difference on 52 tops. There were maybe 25, 30 of those cards. And I'm doing this from memory from a few days ago. There was uh, some 53 tops, no 53 Bowman or Bowman color, and nothing really beyond fi- the the few 53 tops cards that were there. And then some of the 70s stuff that uh, Mike had owned as a kid. But there were, you know, eight or nine of these folders with different, all these different cards, all these amazing, vintage, awesome pieces of cardboard. And he had every, you know, Campies and Duke Snyder's and Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson and Stan Musial and Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle and William, all of right? Just everybody you'd want to see. And then all the Bob Fellers and, you know, all the guys, you know, all Richie Ashburn, all the Hall of Famers. And I'm just like, holy crap, you know? And I, and I just, the conversation, I would talk about different players as I'd see a card and, you know, why it's significant and just try again trying to educate and show him. And then once we got through all the binders, cause that took a, quite a while. Cause I, again, I wasn't meticulously going through them, but I wasn't, you know, I was just going through them like anybody who would look through a binder. And I did give him two of my binders. I had two binders sitting right there. I said, look, I'm getting them out of these folders. First of all, they're still in the crappy pages, but at least I got them into a D ring binder. That's going to, cause these, uh, you can't, tell on the podcast but like if the pages are in there and you're opening a page it's bending the card literally like not like bending it in half but putting a what's the word i want to use jt like a it could be a crease could be yeah i mean you're just risking damn like why why would you risk damage let's put them in a real binder so i gave them it filled up two binders by the way that all the pages did so you can imagine two normal d-ring uh, baseball card binders that you would, you know, the ultra pros or whatever. It filled those two up and I gave those to him. He was very grateful. And and we kept talking and I, and if he had a card, let's say he had a, he had the campy rookie, right? Roy Campanella 49 Bowman. And so he had, I, he had that card actually in a top loader 
And I, and, and so what I would do is if I had the same card, I would pull out that card and set it kind of next to it side by side and kind of go through, look, here's, because we all know condition is everything in terms of value, not in terms of how cool the card is. The card's cool by itself, no matter what condition it is in. But in terms of value, look, here's like, I, I think I have a four or five. I can't remember on my campy rookie, <coughs> excuse me, but I would you know, put them side by side. Hey, look, the corners are better on yours or the centering is better on his. One thing I will say about the entire collection that really struck me was how beautiful all the colors were. And that actually makes sense given the story that if the dad hadn't looked at him in 20 years, they haven't seen quote unquote, the light of day <laughs> in 20 years or so, meaning they're not being put in light and, and exposed to the elements, so to speak. Yeah. They're in crappy pages, but by and large, if you just leave them alone, kind of put them in the dark hole, they're going to stay really nice. And the colors were just strikingly gorgeous on all I mean, of these is cards. This, I'm, I, right. Is this one of those stories oh, where they were in an attic or something or where, where were these no. kept? Because this is, that's very, that's probably one of the biggest things here. Like it's amazing that he has all these cards. What's even more amazing is that they're still in this condition. And the question kind of is how, how are they still this good? You know, that's a great question that I should, I don't know that, um, whether I, I don't, I know I didn't ask it, but I don't think it just came up randomly in the conversation, but you're right. We know both of us know that can, and everybody out there knows it can make a huge difference if it's stored in an attic with heat, you know, heat changes, temperature changes, humidity changes, all of that can over time basically erode your card to nothing. And so, you know, that was, they were just beautiful in terms of color. It was very striking. You can get a lot of cards with some corner issues, but some, you know, they were all, I would call them at least mid-grade on most of them. There were some that were lower grade for sure, but by and large, I saw a lot of mid to kind of lower upper grade cards, probably between fours and sevens kind of grading. Uh, and so they, again, they were in good shape. Were they pristine and perfect right out of the pack? No, but you could tell that somebody had, it was part of somebody's collection and they had handled them to some degree. So I offered and said, look, okay. So we kind of got through all the cards and I said, look, here, here's what I went through eBay and showed him how, you know, I pulled out some random 51 Bowman common and said, look, this raw, this card's like $3 or $4, you know, in, graded it's probably not worth a ton I didn't even look up some of them I just said look a lot of the commons don't have a ton of value but you got so many hall of famers here those do have value both raw and certainly graded and now it's just figuring out what all do you have do you have any complete sets because those older vintage complete sets are significantly value beyond just the composition of the cards themselves right there can be some value in that or even doing partial sets or lots, you know, there's a lot of ways you can skin the cat. And that's what I think just started overwhelming him. He just became, I was just fire hosing him with information. Right. And he's sitting there going, okay, it, I, I get it. There's a lot to this. There's a lot more than just, Hey, this is some dollar value that these are worth. And I'm glad that I came to you. He says, and I'm glad you know all about this. And I, this is going to be awesome. And I said, look, let me 
offer a few things. So here's what I offered to him. I said, look, I'm going to help you catalog these cards. And so what we're going to do is you're going to take them all home now, save a couple that I want to buy. And I'll tell that story in a minute. <laughs> and I said, it said, there were two cards, but I'll just tell that I'll tease it with this. There were two cards. I said, you're not leaving here with those two cards. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I will be buying those. And he kind of thought that was uh, funny because he didn't know I was serious, <laughs> but you know me they, they don't you call know. you baseball collector for nothing man. yeah i'm not baseball <laughs> you know blow smoke up your butt collector or whatever um but anyway i said look i'll help you catalog these and i said as you when you come over next time we should hopefully we're going to probably start this process in the next week or two which will be more episodes of me kind of updating the story of how this goes for mike and his family which they're incredibly grateful by the way this is going to be a huge I think benefit to their family, which is great. It's going to benefit the hobby. There's going to be more car, you know, more collectors will have the opportunity to own these cards depending on how the route we go. And it's going to greatly benefit his family for a, an yeah. amount of money that he had no idea that it was worth. So I mean, so that's, that, that's a ahead. huge part of it. Like you gotta, you gotta think like this sounds really cool. And I, a lot of people here are probably collectors who are thinking like, wow, I would, I would be awesome if I could find that he's selling these, but this is a life changing amount of money. I think when we talked the other day, you told me this like, and this would be a life changing amount of money for me. If I had come into these cards, I think for pretty much everyone, like who, if you had this, this is, this is huge. I mean, like the mantle and maze, we're talking about cards that you could buy a new car for this piece right. of cardboard. And that's, that's a huge difference from just bringing over in these little dinky binders, <laughs> these cards that you're hoping might be worth something to pay a couple of bills. Like you're, this is huge, huge life-changing implications from this. Yeah. It was like, he had this look on his face. Like he had, I just told him he won the lottery. Right. And, and essentially he had <laughs> in, in right. terms. So that, which is great to be able to, I, I'll just tell you guys, I kind of told him, I think as is what you have here is without me really going through everything and being completely thorough, 80 to a hundred grand. And if you sold him as is like right now and he couldn't believe it, his, his jaw dropped to the floor. <laughs> I said, but first, before we, you know, get too crazy and that, am I right, wrong off by a lot or a little, I think I'm reasonably knowledgeable about these cards, but let's, let's catalog what you have. Let's do that. So they're going to come over. And I said, look, you don't leave these cards with me. Like you're not going to bring them over and then leave. You don't leave these cards with anyone, not even me, even as much as you might trust me. And I'm probably the last guy you need to worry about. But at the same time, you can't take, don't do that with anyone, even me. And he was very appreciative of that. And he understood, said, that's just being prudent. That's just being smart. These are your cards. This is your asset, so to speak. And you need to be diligent about it, you know, and protecting it. And so whenever you're here, whenever I'm doing the helping you kind of catalog other stuff and looking at the collection or whatnot, either you or your nephew needs to be here with me, period. I won't like you. If you offer him to let me have them and just do what I want to do, I will refuse because that's not fair to you. And right. I think he was surprised by that. Uh, 
and it, it just makes it protects me too, quite frankly, right? I mean, he could say, I had this card and it's not here anymore. And maybe he never had that card. He could say that and then I'm in trouble, right? And so right. it's really for both parties. I, I wanted him to feel, and it was true that I wanted him to feel that, hey, this is your stuff. Like, right? We're going to take care of your stuff. So cataloging everything. Do I'm going to do the spreadsheet for him and we're going to literally go through card by card. It's maybe a thousand cards, give or take, um, was my kind of my guess as I looked through it. Go through that. I, and what's funny is he's like, well, that's a lot of work. Are you, you know, do I need to pay you? And I'm like, absolutely not. I loved like, this is like, oh, you want to take me to Disneyland? Sure. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'll go to Disneyland. You know, that's how I feel about it. This is going to be a joy for me to do this and uh, uncover things and discover things along with him. So I'm super stoked about that. But we're going to be, you know, getting things into the proper pages. I'm going to go buy a bunch of pages today. Like I said, at the LCS buying supplies, top loaders by a hundred plus top loaders to be ready to, you know, put these things properly and, and card savers, if I can find it, et cetera, you know, all the things we're going to need to get the right cards in the right places to keep them protected till we take that next step to which I offered even, Hey, look, once we get kind of get all this cataloged and we look at it, you know, and I talked about auction houses with him. I talked about eBay with him, I talked about fees. And like, if you sell this, you're going to pay a fee and they're different, different places. And like heritage, you know, is here in Dallas. I said, look, we can, if we get to that point where that may kind of, Hey, we at least need to investigate that op option. We'll drive over to heritage and show it to the car. I know the guy that runs the card department over there and Hey, let's go talk to him and show him your stuff and see what they think. Right. Right. Let them provide their opinion. Yeah, I'm, I don't have a monopoly on good ideas for sure. So the more people we can involve carefully and into, you know what I mean? Like you don't want every Tom, Dick and Harry to know you have this stuff, but you know, selectively picking the people that we want to bring into this process, the better, right? Why, why can't we have more ideas, more things on the table of options? Right. And it, it sounds great in theory, right? That this is eighty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of cards. But I've always said this, and I, especially in recent times with how crazy the card market is, is that card is only worth what someone is willing to pay. And you, it is not a stock where you can trade it in for a trading price at a given time and cash it out. There, there is a point A where you guys have the card. That's point A, and we know that point B is ultimately a collector or whoever is going to buy this card. But there are a lot of points in between where there's a lot. And I mean, we've been talking about it for 40 minutes now about all the different little things. And we're still, like you said at the beginning, this is still the beginning of the journey. That's how much has gone into this. And there's probably, we could probably do a whole nother episode on like auction houses. How do you sell something of this magnitude? Because if I'm a buyer and you're a brand new seller who's selling this card, I immediately have a lot of questions. Like I wanna know a lot of stuff here. And then if you're someone who's new, it's gotta be very nerve wracking to send this to maybe an auction house or one of the major consigners that sells on eBay, like a probes team type. It's, yeah. there's a lot to, there's a lot of risk there as well. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. So like I said, and like you said, this is just, <laughs> 
this is just the tip of the iceberg and they have a lot of huge decisions, but at the same time, it's a good problem to have. Like, I'm sure this is a much better scenario than saying this is all junk. It might be worth 20 bucks in bulk. Right. So, yeah, this is way bigger than that. And there's so many layers to the onion that we're peeling away here and so many more that still are to be uncovered, which is again, part of the joy and fun of this hobby part. And I think that gets lost in the dollars, right? I want this guy to get, I want Mike to get as much money as he can for his family and whatnot. To me, that's not, that's not what's driving me to want to be a part of this process. It's the journey. It's the, all the different things. Oh my God. And just being surprised and pleasantly surprised and excited for him and whatnot. That's all the joy, right? Right. Uh, part of the joy. question. Yeah, go ahead. So you're, you're getting all this joy through this. And I think that your enthusiasm for cards, and this would apply to anyone. It's contagious, right? Like you get excited. It's natural. Like happiness is contagious. Yeah. Do you think that maybe like, you know, I'm talking maybe a year down the line or whatever the case may be that this might actually get them back. I mean, obviously at one point they were in the hobby to have acquired these cards. This could be something that maybe brings them back in when you're just interacting with this stuff that much. It's kind of hard not to want to stay involved yeah. for, for not only the sake of the process, but if you're having fun with it to then add something on for leisure. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I could certainly tell that as I was just, he could see my excitement, my passion, my knowledge, my whatever, he, he was kind of getting into it. But who was really getting into it? Remember his nephew is here, who's about your age the whole time. And I could see him just, he, he would ask everyone, that card's worth what? And that card, what? And tell not only the money, which is again what I worry about the youth of the hobby. I think they're only money driven, and that bothers me. If if that's the only reason you're in the hobby, then I think you're in the hobby. Not that money can't be a wonderful benefit of being in the hobby, but if that's the only reason people are in the hobby, I think you're missing the joy of it. And he was asking about players and wanting to hear. So who's this guy, and who did he play for, and? Who is he Hall of Famer? He looks like he was like just from the picture. Oh, he looks like he was really good or whatever. You know, just <laughs> being able to share stories about the game, about the history, the things that I know. And I, I certainly don't know everything, but I know more than they did for sure. Right. And probably more than your average collector out there. So I was able to impart a lot of that. Uh, and it got him excited about it. And maybe he becomes, I don't know about Mike might be. I don't, I would, that'd be cool. But certainly Joe, uh, the younger guy, got kind of stoked. So it was it was fun. That was certainly part of it, you know, that interaction and the you're right, it is contagious. And the last part of this story that I'll tell you to finish off kind of part one of X known number of parts that this series will be talking about this journey is I mentioned there were two cards that I eyeballed like immediately that I like, okay. I said to myself at the very beginning, he's not leaving with those two cards uh, and voice that opinion or voice that thought to him to which he apparently thought I was joking. And he, so he starts packing up, you know, two and a half hours into this and he starts packing up the bind, the two binders that I had given him and putting the top loader cards. He had them in a Ziploc bag, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Ziploc bag. Uh, Again, you don't, if you don't know better, you don't know better. How do you know? You don't right. know till somebody teaches you or tells you. And 
I said, look, I'm serious. I want those two cards. Oh, you meant tonight, he says. I said, oh, yeah. Um, and it was getting kind of late. And I said, look, we went we went through the two cards on eBay. I showed him sold listings. I showed him, you know, because I kind of assessed them from what I thought they might grade out at. Showed them what they, but you can't pay graded prices for raw cards, period. You pay raw card prices for raw cards because I don't, no matter again, what I think about what the grade is, I might be way off. Right? right. And I said, look, I'm going to be taking some risk. I've got to now pay the expense. If I buy these cards from you raw, I'm going to be paying, bearing the expense of grading them and, you know, et cetera, you know, all these things. And I said, look, I'll, I'll offer you, I'll show you the cards in a second. I, said, I paid $2,000 for two cards and that's a lot of money. Right. And uh, so I gave him the cash and he was, he couldn't believe that, two of the cards were two grand just by them. I said, I said that's, <laughs> you got cards worth way more than that in here. And the, the first one that I bought from everybody's like going, Mike, tell us what card you bought. Um, so I bought this beautiful, it's gonna be hard to see on this, you know, on camera, but I bought a 48 Bowman Stan Musial rookie. And it is really nice. The back is super clean. Um, it's centered really well. I mean, it's not perfect centering, but it is pretty well centered. Uh, no paper loss. The corners are nice. I kind of looked at this as about a four. It's kind of what I thought the grade might come out as. It could be higher, but that's kind of just my, I'd rather shoot low and be pleasantly surprised than the other way around. I've learned that mistake, right? We all probably right. have. <laughs> and the other card was the 1950 Bowman Jackie Robinson. That's a beauty. That is and, a beauty. <laughs> yeah, it is a gorgeous card. Again, a very clean back. Um, definitely off center, kind of left to right. You can tell maybe on the and I mean, again, not a perfectly center card by any stretch, but a very nice example. Again, I just wanted the card. It's this is probably a two, would would be my guess on this uh card, but I just want them for my collection. And so I offered him the two thousand dollars, explained why. I thought that was fair and he agreed and I, I bought the cards and I was so excited. I mean, cause I don't care how long it takes for PSA to reopen and whenever you know, I'm, I'm going to submit them when I can submit them. I'm, I'm in no hurry. I'm in the, it's the marathon, not the sprint, right. For me. Right. In the hobby. And so I don't care. I'm happy to own them. I'm happy to have them. And I, I think, he saw that I was being as fair as I felt reasonable to be. I wasn't trying to lowball him because there's about a hundred more cards that he has that I want to add to my collection as well. So right. what would be the point of, you know, dicking him over now? There's I'm, there wouldn't be any point ever to do that to anyone, but I wanted to be fair. Right. And so I thought that was fair and he did too. So we made a deal and, uh, I remember, I remember I sent these to you, I told you about it, you know, and I was so excited and uh, you know, you get excited for other people when they get kind of some grail cards. Cause like, especially the Jack, I mean, I've always wanted a mutual rookie. That was one of the cards I wanted to buy at the national it was kind of on my list of cards to buy at the national Jackie stuff has just gone absolutely nuts. And rightfully it's about yeah. darn time. It's probably what I feel about some of these cards finally getting their due and their appreciation in the hobby. So to me, it was buy them now because if I wait 
to for him to get them graded and then buy them from him, who knows what they'll be worth then. I see the market softening some, but not necessarily on some of these iconic vintage cards, right? I think they'll flatten out potentially. I don't know that they're going to go down 50%. And so to me, it was like, okay, I can buy them now at this price, take my risk and, and chances on getting them graded whenever. I thought that, do you think that's reasonable? I don't know. I mean, I do. It's it's kind of one of those perfect storm scenarios where when you, if you were to say no, I think you'd be you'd be probably thinking about it right now, questioning yourself. When we finish recording, you're gonna be probably like, hmm, maybe I should have bought this. I'm sorry, I forgot to mute myself before the clock went right. off. I'm sure the the viewers are gonna get the the debut of the clock here on the Golden <laughs> Nature Cardboard Podcast. Best clock um, on YouTube. Best clock on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's reasonable. And I mean, that's, they said that they wanted to, you know, maybe pay you to, to help them out and giving you a little bit, not that you needed anything, you know, you weren't asking for anything, but I think it's a nice gesture as well for them to, you know, they, they have a lot more to go here. The big boys in this thing, that's, that's crazy to think that you pulled out a 15 Jackie Robinson and a 48 Stan usual. And those aren't, I mean, maybe they're in the top five of this collection. I know that we at least have the maze and the mantle here, but yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. And at the point that you're at in your collection too, those are both, I'm sure, 300 great cards by Mike uh, Payne. The Jackie is. The Musual is not, really. Uh, no, yes, it is. No, the Leaf Musual is. Oh, uh, okay. Cards, which well, is still... Card. Right. They still fit holes in your collection and in some of these sets where the ones that you have left are going to be, you know, those are big money cards, big decision cards. So when you're presented with not one, but two of them at the same time, and it's, it's one of those opportunities that you will not get another opportunity like that. Like we, we've talked about this whole thing. And I, I think sometimes in the media, you might see like, you know, someone goes in their attic and finds a Honus Wagner or 52 mantle. Like once a year, it seems like there's a story like that where someone finds this stuff, but this is not like an everyday thing. It's usually what we normally say, like, Hey, I've got some junk wax up in my, you know, in my car and it's got, you know, water damage to it and, and right. all that. So I, I think it's a good move on, on your part. Um, another good thing about it too, is that if you're someone who maybe sends these in to get them graded, you can kind of lead by example with that too, because if they're, we talked about this at great lengths earlier, but to kind of reiterate it is that they're kind of shocked at the sticker price of some of these grading expenses. And if, if you, as you said, if you don't know that stuff, yeah, you probably would be pretty shocked, but if you were to do that and show them here's what I paid for them now, here's what they're worth after they're graded. It's more so like a way to show like, number one, they were all slabbed, which is another question. You know, there's no alterations that PSA or whatever company they choose to go through um, determine. And number two, they're now worth this much more. So it might, it's one of those seeing is believing type of things too. So I think it's a beneficial thing for them as well. And you're the one who kind of carries the burden at that point since they're your cards. But I think it's a good opportunity. And they can also follow the process, get more familiar with it uh, so that they can make more informed decisions on their own behalf to make sure that this, the end game in this really results in the best possible outcome for them. Right. 
and it's going to be a great journey as I help them through this process. I'm excited about it. Um, I thanks for coming on and you know hearing me tell this story. You had right. heard a lot of that already, but I wanted to I, do. Thank you for you. sharing it with me. That's you don't hear, always you hear about these things, but when it actually happens to someone you know, and it's kind of one of those. It's not six degrees of separation, but I'm like two degrees of separation from the from the story. Like I get excited about that. I think anybody watching this would would get excited about that. I mean, you're the one who gets to like somewhat handle these cards as well, too. So you're much more involved with. I'm sure everyone who's following along here might feel a little bit more intimate with this journey. And I, another part of it too is that we see these stories in the media when they pop up. But I don't always think that there's a lot of times where they really, it's kind of like, oh, they found this. This is what it's worth. Story's over. But what actually goes into it after that when something like this happens? And I don't think that's something that's really a stone that's turned over too often. It's more so the instant gratification, the, the cold hard facts. But there's a lot of behind the scenes work. And those of you out there listening who are very detail oriented and, and love these kind of processes and talking about this kind of stuff. I think it's going to probably be a fun journey for you too. I know I'm one of those people. So me too. Yeah. We're, I'm going to, that's part of the point of starting it today is to when I'll do another video when I do more stuff and that might be two weeks and people don't understand that. Well, they, again, you hear about the find and the end result. This takes time. Like this isn't going to be overnight. All this is figured out. And as I do this, these kind of, here we are, you know, and, Hope to do some videos showing more of the cards in the collection. And uh, that's the idea. And I'm excited to do that. And I've asked for permission from him to do that. And he's granted that. I said, look, I'm going to help you. But my catch is you got to let me do some videos on it. And he said, no problem. <laughs> I'm just not going to use his names, you know, full name and all that. I mean, Mike, right? There's no Mikes in the community or anywhere. Nobody's name. Right. You will probably be able to find them because Mike yeah, is uh, the least common name in the baseball card hobby. <laughs> so that's the point is I said, look, this will be a fun experiment. It's not the right word journey, right? Uh, right. To kind of see all this and let people see behind the scenes of what goes into it. Not that all of us can't imagine it, but to have it play out is a different thing and to be a part of it. I hope everybody enjoys being a part of it. Uh, JT, why don't you tell everybody before we sign off, you know, how they can find you if they don't not familiar with you uh, and your just all the, all the ways to get to know JT better. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, best way you can find me where I'm most active because I'm pretty much ball and chain to this desk working on it is my eBay store. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see my handle there. If you're not watching on YouTube, then it's at its ITS triple crown. Uh, I've got over 25,000 different cards in stock. I've got some vintage, mostly modern, a little bit of something for everyone though. So if you're interested in any of that, let me know. If you tell me that you came over from the golden age of cardboard, I might give you a little discount as well. Just appreciate you listening and, and uh, going along on this journey with both Mike and myself here today. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, same handle as right there, at It's Triple Crown. Uh, I'm on YouTube as well, Triple Crown 24. Not as active there, but you can find me there as well. But uh, Mike, I appreciate you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did I miss something? That I, that what about your Facebook group that does group submissions? That, that is one I did miss. Uh, if you're interested in getting stuff graded by PSA, whenever the uh, value submissions are open back up, 
Uh, or do you want to consider submitting some cards to SGC? My good friend, Mike O, who is uh, here on YouTube. Uh, if you're a YouTube viewer, you're probably very familiar with Mike. He handles the SGC submissions and does a great job. So it's uh, Triple Crown 24 and Mike O's grading submissions on Facebook. You want to join our group. You don't even have to submit. You just want to talk about graded cards, talk about the hobby. We love to have you. So check us out there. But Mike, I appreciate you having me on and uh, telling me this story. I get a little giddy when I hear about, you know, 51 mantles and, and all that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was fun. It's going to be a lot more fun as we go. Thanks, everybody, for watching, listening out there to this again first snippet of this what i expect to be a really fun journey so thanks everybody for uh tuning in we will talk to you soon and jt you can take us out with my favorite phase at the end of a video yes um keep collecting <laughs> that's right y'all take care